When you begin to recognize that your destiny in Christ is to become a change agent to the lives around you, you'll begin to live a life that's a little bit bolder and a little bit more, shall we say, intrusive. Not in a way that's disrespectful, not in a way that's violent, not in a way that's oppressive. What I'm trying to say is when you recognize that God has poured out his spirit into your life so that you would make dynamite impact against the forces of darkness and helping people walk in the liberty and in the truth of God's word, then somebody's going to get bold. And when you start getting bold, you start getting a little bit excited because you know what the destination is for others. The problem that we have in our Christian circles is we don't know where we're going and so we don't know where to lead other people. But when you get a glimpse of the destiny that God has for you, well then you'll begin to get a glimpse of the destiny that God has for other people. people. Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church, located in Beverly, Massachusetts. We pray that you are enriched, challenged, and inspired to press on towards the cause of Christ. Well, today's message is called Change Agents. I got the definition of a change agent. It's really simple. This is kind of the standard definition. A change agent is a chemical that disrupts and causes a new byproduct to form from what exists. I'll read that again. A change agent is a chemical that disrupts and causes a new byproduct to come into existence from what was there before. Do you realize that God has poured out his Holy Spirit into your life, if you're a believer, so that you will pass that gift on? And so that you will make other people aware that God wants you to be a change agent in this world and that he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit to be the change agent in your life. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of of the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, for the next few minutes, I ask you that you would take hold, take captive right now every single thought, and that you, Holy Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus, that you would move people to the next level. If people have not experienced your power, the baptism of your spirit, that I ask you that by the end of this podcast, that people's lives would be changed and transformed, that you would make us to change agent in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to break this down, just three points that you can carry in your heart today. Okay, number one, you need the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again, you need the Holy Spirit. Now, I think you may know this. If you're listening to this message, you might understand, certainly I need the Holy Spirit. In fact, upon the profession of your faith, when you received Christ Jesus, the Word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit was deposited in your life as the assurance of the redemption that is yet to come. All right, so there's been a deposit, a down payment. It was done at the cross, and the Holy Spirit is the evidence of that down payment. So if you belong to Christ, then the Holy Spirit is resident in your heart. The Holy Spirit is wooing you. The Holy Spirit is bringing conviction in your life. The Holy Spirit is working behind the scenes, helping you, uh, changing you, molding you so that you'll look more like Christ. But that is not the end of the story. 
That's just the beginning of the story. Jesus Christ tells us that we are to seek, ask, and knock for the gift of the Spirit. You'll find that in the book of Matthew chapter 7. So you have been promised to receive this dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, not to fill you, but to clothe you. Now, there's a big difference. Uh, there's a big difference between being filled and being clothed, all right? There's a big difference between the Holy Spirit taking residence in your life, essentially filling you and living inside of you, uh, versus walking in the power of the Spirit. I want you to know that Jesus' ministry was marked primarily by two things, prayer and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was operating in great measure in the life and the ministry of Christ Jesus. Here's what Acts 10:38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now you've gotta understand a couple of things about this. Jesus Christ was fully God, and Jesus Christ was also fully man. Two natures entwined in one being. Uh, this is so important because there are times when Jesus is being demonstrative. Basically, he's living a life to demonstrate how you and I ought to live. Jesus Christ was hungry in certain instances. In other instances, Jesus Christ, working in his deity, is breaking bread and feeding the masses. In one moment, Jesus is thirsty. The next minute, he is walking on water. And so I want you to understand that when this scripture tells us that Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking to the Son of Man in this moment and how he is demonstrating that Jesus Christ needed to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I also need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul understood this. You'll find in 1 Corinthians 2.4 that Paul takes a very similar approach just as it's written in Acts. He says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Uh, he's not being condescending or self-deprecating to say that his words were not wise because in the book of Philippians, he tells us that he is a Jew among Jews. He, he goes on to elaborate his qualifications as a Jewish person. But in comparison to the power of the Spirit that was moving and living and operating in his life, his words were nothing. And that's the same for you and I today is we cannot survive on our intellect. We cannot survive on pure religious understanding. We need intimate expression. We need experiential faith. You got to understand the reason why you need the power of the spirit is because of the mission that Acts lays out. We have been called to do a work that is physically impossible. You may be able to sway a heart. You may be able to influence a heart, but you do not have the ability with your words, with therapy or with medication to transform and bring about rebirth. This is a work of God and God alone. Therefore, you need God working through you and in you in order to achieve God-like results. God wants his results demonstrated on the earth. And he wants to use you and I as the vehicles to make that happen. So you need the power of the Holy Spirit living, thriving, and operating in your life. So that's the first thing we see in Acts chapter 1. The second thing is witness. 
It's that, that sounds simple enough, but I want you to understand that it is not enough to live a nice, clean life, keeping your yard in check and being friendly to your neighbors, hoping that your quiet, humble life will win somebody to the Lord. That in of itself is not enough. God is calling you to be a living active witness. God wants you to open your mouth and begin to communicate. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? God wants you to open your mouth and begin to speak and be a living witness for him his glory, and for his honor. There's a quote that they've attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. I don't know if you've heard that quote before, but I want to tell you that's actually biblically inaccurate. And I don't believe uh, St. Francis may have actually used that. It's a great idea and I get the concept. But if you believe just living a quiet life in of itself is enough, then God would have never called people to be evangelists and missionaries and pastors and teachers and leaders. God wants you to be a witness and he wants you to use your mouth. It's not enough for you and I to simply be a gospel presence in our community, a simply a gospel presence in our homes, in our schools, in our jobs. It's not enough. That's like being a firefighter and standing by while a house burns. God wants you to pick up the hose and put out the flames of hell. God wants you to be a gospel witness beyond gospel presence. He is calling you to be a witness in your community. These are dark and dire times, and we need the people of God to stand up boldly and begin to declare. Not getting caught up in political arguments, not getting tied up in all of the nonsense and the jargon and all the narratives right now. Stay focused on the cross. Speak the truth, declare it in love, but you must open your mouth. And this really leads us to our our third point today evangelism and missions. Here's what it says again, reading Acts uh, chapter one, verse eight here. It says, you shall be my witness. We just covered that. But where? In Jerusalem. That's local. Judea. That's that's still local. Samaria. Now we're getting farther. Uh, And now he even says the remotest parts of the earth. If you understand that the Samaritans had no relations even at that time. God is calling us into territories that we've never stepped into before. God is calling us into forbidden lands. God is calling us to begin invading like a glorious army. Invading the works of darkness. And to begin to declare his message with power, with authority, and with boldness. I read out of Romans 10, 14. But he was actually quoting the book of Isaiah where it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, and who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, stop, who is Zion? Zion is the promise. Your God reigns. Who say to the, listen, these are the people of God declaring to the people of God the beautiful news of the victory. I want you to know that every life you meet is a potential child of God. It's not everybody. You must be born of God to be a child of God. Jesus even called the Pharisees children of Satan. So it's a fallacy to say we're all children of God. I'm sorry, but that is also biblically inaccurate. You must be born again. You must be born as a child of God. Now, in the grand sense, God has created all things, but he is birthing children, giving 
a rebirth out of darkness, out of sin. God is calling you to be born again, born into his kingdom so you can experience his grace, so you too can say, my God reigns, so that you can be a witness, so that you can be in a power that moves throughout the communities, declaring the goodness of God. Have you given your life to Christ? Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you operating in the authority and the power of God's word? If you are not, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Today could be a game-changing day where you become a change agent, that you can be that chemical that steps in and disrupts and causes something new in other people's lives by introducing them to the King of glory, who is Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up everybody that's in the sound of my voice right now, everyone who's listening. I'm asking you, God, that they would come in contact with your living water, that they would come in contact with the Holy Spirit. If they're thirsty for it, if they're hungry for it, right now I ask you that you would just invade their space, just overwhelm them by the power of your presence and by the power of your spirit. Uh, I just want you to pray right now. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I commit my life to you. I declare you my Lord, and I ask that you would baptize me in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let my cup overflow. In Jesus' name, I receive the gift. I receive the gift of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations, you're a child of God. It's gonna be very important that you plug in and that you get some discipleship. Find a local church, find a church online. If you don't have a church, we invite you to be with us at Garden City Church. You can find us online or you can visit us in person. Feel free to also send me an email. I'll be happy to pray with you. God bless you, keep pressing on. Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to keep running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. You can join Pastor Aaron weekly at Garden City Church in person or online. Till next time, keep pressing on.